The following program may contain content not suitable for all audiences. Welcome to Metagamers Anonymous, a program dedicated to tabletop role-playing games and mostly related material and a presentation of Prismatic Tsunami. My name is Eric. I'm Richard. I'm Vanessa. And I'm Sean. That's right. We got Sean on the horn with us today. How you doing, man? Oh, not too bad. Not too bad. We don't talk near enough. No, we do not. Given all the things that we do together <laughs> every year. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I know. I know, man. Life. Oof. So, yeah, uh, I, I definitely want to kind of, I, I'm excited to get you on the show. I hope your uh, Zoom connection stays with us enough that we can get some quality time out of you. Absolutely. That's what I'm hoping to. But uh, we, we did let Sean know not to hurl his phone across the room if it starts fucking up major on him. Oh. Just, just, just bail. Just go. Just Right, just exit, just, just like just, that. Just go away. Yeah, I so, hear you. No, no worries, man. Uh, before we do any of that, though, let's go ahead and talk about TsunamiCon because that's coming up before you know it. We are less than ninety days out now from uh, this wow. year's big event. Uh, TsunamiCon is happening October twenty first, twenty second, twenty third in the great city of Wichita. We're going to be at the Drury Plaza downtown, across from Century Two, beautiful hotel with a fantastic convention space. Um, and I, I don't know, we haven't had a chance to talk to you much about it, Sean. Have you ever been to a convention in that space? Have you seen it before? I, I have. I have been to actually numerous conventions. Uh, awesome. Well, yeah. So before, before it was a jury, it was, uh, I don't remember what it was called, but. There's a broad had, view. Uh, couple, yeah. yeah, the broad view. Uh, they had some conventions there at that time. And then um, I actually, uh, in my capacity uh, as a trainer, uh, I uh, we did a lot of trainings there when I was working in another job. So. Yeah, I know. I know that area pretty well, so it's nice. It's nice. You're familiar with the space, then? Yeah. As you say, uh, oh yeah, that you know the big conference room. Then we have the whole conference room. Nice. As our and and um, I did a count today. I've got room for 45 game tables in there. Wow. Plus the game library at one end, and um, I'm I'm actually expanding because we are. It's in such high demand. If you're one of those exhibitors who's been asking me for booth space. Everybody says they want it. Now, you just got to actually shell out the money. Um, we have some more <laughs> booth space in there as well. So uh, uh, definitely check that out online. And uh, I'll give you all the links. It's all in the show notes, too. But, uh, yeah, we have that whole big convention hall. And then the majority of our uh, vendor space is all going to be in the what they call the Riverwalk. They're on the, okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. On yeah, the, yeah, yeah. Uh, is that the west side, I think? Yeah, uh, it's beautiful. I think it's actually east side. Yeah, but yeah, I, I know where you're talking about. Yeah, it, and it, uh, you know, it's got some. It's got kind of a cool shape to the space, and we're going to put a stage at the back end and a little um, kind of like some tables and stuff for our, our miniature paint and take and all that. And uh, we'll have Mikey Mason again this year. Super so. exciting! Is uh, is you know, Mike, Mikey Mason's going to be back? Yep, that's the plan. Awesome. And uh, you know, everything else is kind of still in motion. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm super excited to be getting back and seeing everybody in person. And are um, you and uh, you and Eli going to be running some games this year? Do you guys have some plans for that? Or We do. We do. We've been working on our, our stable of games. Um, uh, it's going to be some oldies uh, or some old, uh, some old hat. I've got, um, I think I'm going to pull out some Call of Cthulhu. Nice. Uh, Eli is going to, I think, run some Monster of the Week. And, um, and uh, then um, I'm going to run a, um, maybe you've heard of it. I'm not sure. Uh, there's a game called Honey Heist. Have you ever heard of that? <laughs> yes, yes, we have. <laughs> we talked about uh, it on the so show before. I, yeah. <laughs> I am going to, I'm going to be running a uh, modified version of Honey Heist where um, a, uh, a group of um, uh, animals is trying to, um, 
to uh, protect, or not animals, sorry, a group of toys is trying to protect their home from uh, some burglars who are trying to break in. Nice. So, dude, that sounds awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, I've, I've hacked that. Yeah, little Richard did. I was gonna say we, we've talked about it times. because Richard's done some uh, hacks with the Honey Heist. It's a really good system yeah. for that. It, it, I know it is. Uh, it is such a crazy like. Like at first, I wasn't sold on it, but I was trying to figure out how to do this. How to do this game that I had kind of rolling around in my being, and uh, I uh, uh, somebody had suggested it, and I was kind of looking at it. I'm like, oh my god, this is going to work really, really well. Uh, yeah. for kind of the, the concept that I want to do with it, yeah. It keeps the, the the rules simple, but still effective. You have legitimate choices to make, mm-hmm. but then you can still absolutely, you know, focus on the game, focus on the story, and focus on the role play. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, uh, I, I have uh, I have you guys to thank for uh, for my 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 uh, love of less crunchy systems. And so I'm <laughs> trying to put together stuff that is, that gives a lot of really great narrative opportunities without kind of making a system that's going to be too complicated for people to get into. And I just love, I mean, I love the way the character generation works. Now I, I modified mine a little bit so that uh, you have kind of different toys, but you still have the different roles and you still have kind of um, uh, the different skills uh, and then each each toy also has a tool or two that they can use that allows them to kind of do some fun stuff. But uh, yeah, I'm really really excited for it. I'm 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 really looking forward to the game. So neat. And uh, there was a, another special project you were working on. Are you ready to talk about that at all yet? Uh, yes, yes, I am very excited. In fact, as we speak right now, I am doing that. So uh, as many people may know, for for numerous years, uh, we have had. Uh, a guy run uh, what's called the Dungeon of Death. And uh, for years, we always kind of struggled to get like a good play space as in like a like a good representation of what the Dungeon of Death looks like. Um, so over the pandemic, I, um, I started kind of flexing my uh, terrain slash dungeon, 3D dungeon making skill set. And uh, partially because, you know, it, I didn't have anything else to do, partially because, you know, it's kind of a fun, crafty thing to do that's also nerdy. So uh, as we speak, I am working on 3D terrain for the Dungeon of Death so that rather than having a static map, we have actual 3D rooms that, uh, that the players who participate in can play around with and see kind of the, the insidiousness of the traps and things like that. So. That's incredible. Um, yeah, it's it's so much fun to do. Like uh, I, I really enjoy just the the art of everything, but it is really uh, I think going to take it kind of to the next the next level, so to speak. Uh, and uh, so I'm excited. Uh, I'm excited. Robert is uh, the guy who runs it. Is super super excited. Uh, we've been throwing ideas around back and forth for the better part of the past month or two uh, to just kind of make sure that we got all of our bases covered and. Uh, yeah, should we get to go? I'm about a quarter of the way through all the terrain right now. Um, and so kind of on my time scale, I shouldn't, uh, it should all be ready to go by the convention and stuff. Nice. So it'll be fun. I'm really, really excited for it. That's awesome. I, I saw you, uh, I mean, you, you had talked about it a little bit with me and then I, you had posted something like a teaser or something, showed some terrain yeah, pieces. Yeah, so yeah, I was yeah, like, yeah. oh, is that the direction we're going? Yeah. I'm like, dude, badass. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's pretty awesome. It's pretty awesome. I, uh, uh, I, I, I really, I'm really looking forward to it. So I'm really looking forward to bringing that to the, uh, to the people of, uh, to, uh, to Sonali Gone. Cool, so man. 
Well, I I really uh, hope anybody that is on the fence about whether or not to get out and enjoy a live convention this year, um, if you feel safe, can make it out. This is going to be a really great opportunity to get together with friends and uh, try out some new games. There's a lot of people that have been talking about bringing stuff I've never seen before, never heard of before, because, you know, pandemic or not, or in, in our case, pandemic especially, more shit's coming out all the time. And so there's a oh, lot yeah. of great games landing and uh, plenty of stuff to play with. So I, I, uh, I, I need to connect with uh, some of the community there that does, uh, you know, does like the board game demos and stuff every year and see who is interested in just kind of rolling out some of the newest material. Because I just don't, I haven't been able to keep up, you know, there's so much having able to keep up. So uh, our, we got a really nice game library. We got a lot of stuff we're bringing out, and uh, we always have contributors to help add a little bit more here and there. And I'm super stoked, but it's it's just I, I I've yet to yet to get a feel for the shape of the convention. You know what I mean? There's uh, mm-hmm. there's still a lot that can happen. So uh, that'll be happening again October 21st through 23rd. Make sure you uh, get online, go to tsunamicon.org. You can buy your tickets in advance, and that'll give you a chance to sign up as soon as registration opens up the end of this month or the first part of September. And uh, get in, start signing up for the games you want to play. If there's anything you'd like to run, anything you'd like to showcase, any games you want to bring and show off, or, or just get a chance to play with some uh, friends or strangers, definitely get on the website and submit the games. We'll get them on the schedule for you, too. So that's a, that's a, that's a thing. So I uh, I was recently... Uh, I, I was, <laughs> I've talked about it a little bit on the show already, so it's not a big surprise. Man. I was recently... Uh, I, I, I've been wanting to do the War of the Burning Sky thing again for a while. <laughs> and, uh, it, I mean, there have been um, already numerous challenges to our scheduling and stuff. Things not, you know, not quite happening just smoothly and everything. But I, I thought it might be a fun opportunity to talk about it a little bit because everybody here on the show is involved in that particular uh, game that's coming up. And we're doing a fifth edition port of uh, War of the Burning Sky, which, as a long-time listeners know, um, I've run before. None of the same people involved, you know, except me, obviously. Uh, and but that was that was back in the three five days, you know. So it's been a while, and uh, I really enjoy fifth edition. So I'm I'm really excited to see how it how it plays out, how it feels, that the the flow of the story is, because the story is what makes the the campaign so amazing to me. I've got to admit, from what I've seen so far from the character submissions from this group. It's not going to be even a similar experience in any way, shape, or form. And then there was Vanessa who has no, but Vanessa's yet. already done enough to make <laughs> me wonder whether or not Vanessa was a good. No, I'm joking. Thanks. She still reserves the right to change her character on us. Crazy. Oh yeah, I can still change everything. Group of player characters. <laughs> One of the things I thought was interesting, Sean, is you actually reached out and said, you know, hey, with the uh, kind of the weird planar magic and stuff going on, because somebody slipped through from another world. Yes, yes. I, I, I was curious about that, partially because I, um, I, I kind of had had this idea for uh, an uh, a character from a, from a campaign that I had ran a while gotcha. back. Um, and uh, I was like, man, it would be fun to it would be fun to see them kind of in this world. And then I realized, you know, I don't have to I don't have to have some sort of magical rationale for them being in this world. I could just, you know, generate in the world as it stands and call it good. So. Absolutely. And that's why I was, I was kind of curious whether there was any kind of connection there, because uh, when you did come up with uh, your character concept, you chose a race that is not standard. And Yes, I, that is correct. Yes, and I, you chose a, yeah. a race that is, um, when it is standard, specific, uh, specifically related to another campaign setting, but it's obviously one that could fit anywhere. 
Literally. Yes. <laughs> Literally, yeah. Uh, Eli's concept already scares me. Oh, you have no idea. It's going to be the best thing ever. We were talking about it earlier today. Uh. Um, <laughs> it's going to be so awesome. And uh, uh, Richard and uh, Richard and Brian actually had the, almost the most normative kind of concepts, and even them. And uh, even then, <laughs> and, and both you, um, both of you chose yeah. concepts that tied in strongly to the setting, which was cool. You know, the setting material. Uh, Brian is looking more of a cleric with the Aquiline Cross uh, background, a kind of you know faith in their affiliation, I guess I should say. Having shoehorned my background into the Zeitgeist setting, which Burning Sky. worked out beautifully. I have no, oh, I'm talking about Zeitgeist. Zeitgeist. That worked out beautifully. I have no complaints at all. When I was doing the War of the Burning Sky, I literally, I'm like, I'm going to dig in and see what I can find that works in here so I can tie myself to the world better because I'm really excited to see how this story rolls out because Brian Knock, yeah. right? <laughs> I got a funny story uh, there, too. Um, when I when I set up the stuff for the campaign, I sent you guys all the, the material, the links for the material uh, to kind of check out the setting on that. And the player's guide was available on drive-thru, RPG. If anybody's um, interested in seeing what the world is like, you can get it at a pay what you want, you know, on drive-thru. And uh, it, it gives you a nice primer of the setting and the different nations and cultures and uh, some new rules and stuff. And I, you know, I got I, I had already had it, right? I already had it because I'd gotten it. I'd, I've been intending this for a while. I think about this for a while. I'd already had my copy. And so I got in there and I started like adapting the new rules in there to D&D Beyond as much as I could, you know, getting them in there so that I it would be easy for everybody to just kind of look up things that they wanted if they were part of the setting. And I, so like when Richard went up right his character, I was like, oh, yeah, and I've already done all that. So cool. And he happens to pick something that I remembered the write up of and was like, yeah, how do you think that worked? Well, well we had a great conversation about it. I did not realize until one of the other players was working on the character that there is a newer edition of that thing in its placeholder now on drive through than the one I had, which had players option stuff for every class, which you guys have all seen, yeah. I'm sure. I had not until this week. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it just so happens nobody had asked about <laughs> anything that I didn't know. So I lucked into the fact that the, the monk that had the two different ways was already yes, there. Yes, I had done the east wind and west wind. And I still went a third yeah, way. Yeah, you came with your, kind of your own hybrid, which was great. Uh, I think it's going to be a fun group. Uh, I, I, John playing a Haragon, is that what they're called? Yeah, yeah. that's yeah. just Something like that, yeah. <laughs> wild. <laughs> that's, that's why I hope Vanessa does go with the Birdman, just so that every time she's over there with her wings slapped up, we can see the little rabbit's ear uh, whiskers twisting. Right. It's going to be awesome. Nervously. You people worry. <laughs> I think it's going to be a good group, though. I'm more worried I'm more worried about bird squawking translating into uh, the recordings. Uh, yeah, let me worry about that. <laughs> it's all good. Fair enough. Uh, I'll buy a parakeet. So, we so we're sure looking at starting that here <laughs> next. Out. Yeah, don't. That's not. No. Uh-uh. You know how I am about birds in the house during a recording. Uh, so next week. <laughs> Especially when you don't own one. Uh, we're recording this next week. We're going to be getting started. So I hope everybody's ready, uh, at least, you know, by then. <laughs> I, I'll be ready uh, by then. I think Richard and, and John have both sent me some backstory <laughs> stuff. So I got I got some. Yeah, I'm kind of wor- I'm, I'm going to work on my backstory stuff the, to this week um, and uh, throw it up in the uh, throw it up in the, the chat somewhere. Oh, yeah. I was going to expand that from 40 pages to 80. <sighs> Whatever. Oh, good Lord, man. Jesus, kidding. Man, I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> 
John did his on like a drive document, which I thought was so interesting. It's I, very John. I felt, <laughs> I felt bad with seven paragraphs, but they were short and well-defined paragraphs, and they all led into something, so... This week is going to be crazy for me because I'm going to be getting ready for that. And I'm, we're starting a new job this week. So every day is going to be busy, 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 busy. And I'm still running my games. Uh, not not recording uh, an episode of Expo Street this week. We're going to skip that. Right. Yeah. Next no. Week. Yeah. Good. Because I haven't watched the movie. <laughs> yeah. And I'm not going to have time to accept on the weekends for the most part now. So I have to prep, you know. Me either. And I think at this rate, we'll be lucky if I don't have to slow us down on our schedule to where like one weekend I am editing and the next weekend I am prepping. What uh, what movie is it for Expo Street this Street this this, uh, this time around? It's a 2019 Hellboy. Oh, a, nice! Wait, the no, one without actually, Ron Perlman. Not, not, not nice. Not nice. I tried that one. It was not super great. David, David Harbor. I, you know, there, there were mixed reviews on it, and that's usually what we look for: stuff that has mixed reactions. You know, that's we want fair. stuff that's actually there to talk about. I enjoyed it, but I enjoy everything. So you do enjoy everything. <laughs> yeah, that's my job. So it's it's really kind of pointless for me to say that anymore. It's like you know, I liked it. Uh, we knew that, Eric. Shut up. If you give anything less than a four star review, it's a miracle. Uh, no, you anybody? It's a really bad movie, typically. <laughs> hey, yeah. wait a minute! We that was one of my favorite movies. <laughs> <laughs> Did I? Probably. I don't. I'm, I don't I'm remember. pulling it up now. But oh, that's you are important huh? to this. <laughs> that's <laughs> not really relevant, huh? No. So, uh, as far as uh, some game content, this week we had a session on Tuesday night, and uh, there was a point at which, I mean, this was uh, very much a kind of transitory session. You guys were figuring out what you were going to do next. Abandoning, by the way, abandoning the immediate. I, I've never, I haven't seen this in a long time, and this party surprised me. Because they're in the middle of this dungeon. They open a secret way into deeper parts of the dungeon that don't look like they've been touched by anybody local in a long time. Because there were some cultists down here and stuff. And they go, you know what? Now that we know that our primary objective isn't here, fuck that. We're going home. Or we're, we're taking off. <laughs> My character didn't want to be down like, there before. You got unexplored dungeon and you're just leaving? I mean, they hadn't even run into anything really scary yet. They just were like, yeah, this place is not necessary. Be fair, when you invited us for a crawl, I thought you meant beer crawl. And right. dungeon crawl was a little off-brand. Wait, you mean to tell Your me? Your crawl is off-brand from you. You you mean to tell me, Eric? You mean to tell me? In all of your time running games, you have never had a group nope the hell out of a session once they have achieved their objective and objective and are like, "Oh, I'm not going to go any further because there's no need for this now." Oh no, I've definitely had that happen. Okay. What I've right. not had happen was this fucking group of murder hobos do that. That's fair. That's that, fair. <laughs> we've been gaming together for over a year with this group, and they go, they just do everything. Well, Okay, the spiders were too much to begin with, and then the thousand whatever was in that other room. <laughs> a thousand I, whatever. It was I goblins, were like, as I recall, and you toasted them mercilessly. There were like 30 squares in the room and 30 goblins. They literally had to kill each other to have room to move. You're seventh level. To be fair, we <laughs> bottlenecked them, and we did fine. Yeah. I know, but our, <laughs> our person who cast Fireball was a monkey. The person who could have cleared out the room in one shot was, was a cursed. monkey and couldn't make that spell happen. They're in the desert. There are many curses. And we still did fine. <laughs> you know, uh, I was, I, I'm going to have to do some reconfiguring on some stuff later on. There are some assumptions in the adventure design, which is, uh, to be fair, I didn't design it. Some assumptions that uh, PCs are going to act like PCs. And... Uh, <laughs> 
Yeah, there were some important things that were left un, <laughs> un, uh, some some important stones that were left unturned. <laughs> oh, no, <laughs> uh, the one stone turned somebody into a a monkey. Yeah, so. I know I was there. It wasn't a stone; it was a statue. It was a stone. It was a a jewel, which is a stone in his eyeball of the statue. Here. Which was a monkey. I call stones and jewels different things because one's a stone and one's a jewel. But I mean, that's I used to sell jewelry for a living. I win. Potato, potato. Yeah, that's what I'm I'm kind (laughs) of a Sean here. It's it's fine. It's fine. You guys are fine. But um, the next thing you guys did was after you, you, uh, as Sean so delicately put it, noped out, you uh, headed topside and uh, did a little, um, well, you had some curses. (laughs) You'd been acquiring them. <laughs> for you know, several I give now. gifts to people, and they just don't appreciate them. Curse items and get traps. Get curse removal and... on my let next level. I don't know why everyone's in such a hurry to get rid of their. Curses. I know we just we're one dragon kill away from I, being able to remove. Curses. I think at the point at which um, Nero's character Octavia had disadvantage on every single roll she made until it was dealt with. They weren't going to wait three cursed next items. Level. I guess four if you count Jindu, who was a monkey. <laughs> so um uh the guys uh did a little bit of um trying to hunt down somebody that could take care of it and you weren't in a real friendly area and you were you were wanted by the authorities so uh first she tries to sneak in and try to sort of fool a priest a local priest into helping out uh Nero's character does and yeah. said priest is i mean her roles she's got a disadvantage on the roles she didn't do well convincing him of stuff said priest was was reticent to be helpful i offered to go with then she thought about trying to blackmail him or, you know do some sort of nasty you know steal something that he really needed or failed those roles yeah just nothing was working out so uh so in the interim she had plied her contacts to uh, connect with a uh, local thieves guild or something, an underground underworld, you know, activity, local level. And uh, she was, uh, at, the, at the time that she made contact, she had a completely different goal in mind. But, you know, their adventure had changed things in the, in the uh, intervening sessions. And, uh, you know, she didn't need that goal so much. Now she needed to find a way to get rid of these curses. And so this was an opportunity, you know, I, I kind of looked at this and went, well, this is an opportunity to try and create a relationship that otherwise would never existed. And in fact, I got to use an NPC that was part of the dungeon you guys didn't even go to, you know, who might turn out to be a villain later, you know. But uh, they, you know, they basically are uh, given the opportunity to visit with a uh, NPC who can lift the curses, you know, does have the magical resources to do that. And has no particular reason at this moment to be, uh, what's the term, to, to be an obstacle for you guys. You know, doesn't doesn't know you from anybody else. You guys didn't it didn't encounter her or any of her people, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So she belongs to the one group of people we didn't kill anybody from. Got it. Yeah. So she, well, t- technically that's not <laughs> true. Give us a minute. Just nobody knew that you did. Oh, um, I'm fine with keeping that secret. Yeah. So she charged an exorbitant fee, and then... uh, We still owe a favor. And a favor, to be determined later. The worst thing to owe somebody. Particularly a potential villain. (laughs) Yeah. Anyway, so I I thought this was interesting and something that I I don't get the opportunity to explore enough in just regular adventuring. I mean, sometimes you have campaigns that are built around intrigue or about inner-city politics or... 
um, you know, the, the work of certain guilds or, you know, high profile persons of interest. But when it comes to regular adventuring, having your rogue who, or you're somebody who has the, the background that has that um, contacts, for example, option, I think is, is probably where that started. One of the backgrounds, the criminal background, I think, has a contacts uh, ability or whatever they call it. Oh, yeah. Which then gives them the, you know, the, it kind of sets up the option, which you don't have to have this. And as a role player, you can determine whatever backstory for your character you like. And as a game master, I'm going to be more than excited to exploit it. I mean, reward you for that. But I definitely loved having the opportunity to kind of utilize those talents and, and those those connections to build another dynamic into the story, another role-playing opportunity. And that doesn't really happen enough. Um, and I was trying to think of other opportunity, other situations that had come up that relied specifically on context, because I think that's a really great one. And sometimes you'll see it in people when people have characters visit places where they are familiar you know, player characters go places where they are known or they know people. That's one thing. But one of the cool things here was we were talking about like a guild or if you were talking about, say, a church or an organization, a secret society, any number of possible sort of um, extractions where you don't necessarily know the specific people involved or their personal agendas, but you do have a common con- connection that that has a sense of obligation or has a sense of um, community to it. And I noticed that there's a, in, in fifth edition D&D, there's several backgrounds that have kind of similar ideas in them, like things that you, you get because your character has some sort of connect, like the folk hero can always find a place to hide out or rest or something, things like that, you know, ways to kind of take advantage of the social standing of the background, which I think is really neat. But um, I I was wondering if you guys had any, I'd like to, I'd like to be able to offer some kind of advice or, you know, um, any experiences we've had that that maybe have bent, you know, bent this direction? How best to advise players who have uh, the potential to engage with other people and parties in the campaign world or uh, game masters who have the option to bring that into the game? And it doesn't always have to be the player's initiative, obviously, and that's something that, you know... GMs always have in their toolboxes. Let's let's bring in somebody that the PC has a connection with that they might not know is actually there or even know about a connection with. But um, if they do, there's actually kind of another quality to it because then there's a sense of expectation too, and the player's already invested. You know, if there was something they decided on that their character should have access to or have a connection with, then when you bring it into the game as the game master, they're already meeting you halfway because you're doing something to engage their character stuff, not you're doing something just to fuck with them. Thank you for giving me plot hooks that I know you're going to pick on every time. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I get that. I get that. And, and more factions always makes it more interesting, especially if you're doing any type of intrigue. I love intrigue. And it's, yes, it's an do. area that <laughs> and I, you're I, good at it. I, it's an area I feel that is underutilized in a way because a lot of great fantasy stories uh, or any kind of adventure story will have intrigue kind of baked into it. But it isn't always the point. You have to have players who really want to engage with it for it to be effective. Yeah. As part of the game. Yeah, because you don't want that thing where you have a movie and at the end of the movie you're like, hey, in that one scene, that one faction showed up and they seemed like they were going to be interesting and we heard nothing from them for the whole rest of the movie. What's up with that? (laughs) You don't want to be the forgotten faction. (laughs) Yes, real life is full of those. You meet somebody on the street and you're like, oh, well, that's an interesting that you belong to that kind of group. What do you call your guild? I hope I never hear from you again. The dangling participles. Yes. (laughs) Oh, no. What have we gotten into? 
Uh, can, can you guys think of any characters you've had that have had that opportunity to kind of explore the relationship with the uh, people, places of the world, organizations, how that's turned I have out? I a character in my Saturday game that's in a Thieves Guild that no one else knows about. It's kind of fun. That, that no one knows about? None of the other player characters do. <laughs> Does it come up in game any? Uh, I can take items and giga come back with money. <laughs> That's okay. always a nice. That's always a nice bonus. Yeah, simple transactional <laughs> sort of relationship works. I mean, yeah, and I I might have done things for the thieves guild and not had people realize that we were doing missions for the thieves guild before, so that was fun. <laughs> hey, by the way, we need to go get this thing. Why? Who's paying us? It doesn't matter. <laughs> it it kind of. We just of need does. to go get the thing. <laughs> See, our our Saturday group is very money-driven, so as long as they're getting paid for it, they don't necessarily ask questions. All right, I get that. that. (laughs) That's fair. That's fair. (laughs) Yeah, I was was just remembering uh, from the Black Mask, uh, my character Monique, the other day, too, and and some of her explored factions that I wish I would have had more time with, but... uh, Man, that was crazy. That was a that was a uh, fun. That was kind of a monster hunting game, as I recall. Very. That was a monster hunting game. Kind of. Uh, unfortunately, the monsters won. Um, <laughs> yeah, as, they, go... as they are wont to do. Oh, that was terrible. That's that's what happened to Monique. Now I remember she ended up becoming another character. <laughs> oh. Whoops. <laughs> that was that was terrifying. It was really one of those I had not I had not seen. Okay, now to be fair, I mean, I've been gaming a long time. I've seen a couple of TPKs and near TPKs over the years, but wow, that was one of those situations where just completely surprised me that no, only one person managed to survive this one fight. Right. just wasn't expected. It was just everything went wrong. Everything went against the players, player characters. And that one person just happened to be played by Kid, and he is such a consummate drama kid that he... Took this, he brought this to me and said, okay, since my character has just lost everybody, if you'd like to continue the campaign, I'd like to play this character a year from now as a tortured person is trying to reclaim some part of that inner person they lost because they <laughs> because everything important was taken from them. <laughs> but you're talking about yeah. factions, and that character's mother belongs to another faction, which was not beneficial, Yeah, but was yeah, definitely or in play. Talk about a resource you never want to tap. <laughs> oh, those are the best kind—the ones that you, the ones that uh, that you know have a cost, <laughs> and sometimes you don't know what the cost is going to be. This stuff's awesome. Of course, you know, in my experience, any any group can be that. You could go to you go to your temple thinking that everything is going to go perfectly your way, and find out that somebody at that temple has a very different idea of what you owe for the services rendered. You know, there's always people involved in everything. True. True. Yeah. Sean, what kind of gaming you been doing lately? Uh, so I actually just started a. Uh, it's funny when we're talking about this because I just started a um, an in person game. I've been uh, I've been running a, um, a game at one of the game stores here in uh, here in Lawrence. And my experience with factions and with contacts is uh, kind of a bit different because uh, maybe I maybe I'm I think I'm a little more in line with you in that I rely very heavily on that particular component of a story. Yeah. Uh, so like the game that we're playing right now is uh, the the troop is playing uh, the troop is uh, sorry I should I should clarify this. Uh, it's a troop of uh, performers who have arrived in this large city, 
and um, have found themselves kind of embroiled in a uh, uh, conflict with, uh, or not a conflict, but embroiled in a, uh, um, uh, a plot. And right now, they're basically spending most of their time kind of leveraging resources and leveraging contacts to try and get the full story about what happened. Kind so of, kind of as part of an investigation. Yes, yes, very much as part of an investigation. But it, it's it's fostered a uh, it's fostered kind of a um, uh, almost like a, I don't want to say reliance, but almost a uh, kind of a contact type relationship with uh, some of the NPCs that they've come across. So, like one of them has a contact with a noble that they rely on pretty heavily. Another one uh, is uh, part of the thieves guild, and they rely pretty heavily on kind of making contacts with them and, and relying on them for both information and kind of, uh, kind of social interaction and things like that. So, um, uh, it's, I, I mean, I, I think it's kind of a cornerstone of the get types of games that I prefer. So what kind of, what kind of system is it? What are you running? Oh, I'm, it's fifth ed. Is it? Okay. Yeah. It's fifth ed. It's a, yeah, it's a fifth ed game. So, so, Pretty kind of a non-traditional approach to a fifth edition adventure. I'd love it, love it, love it. Yeah, yeah. I'm not much of one for your, your typical kind of, uh, um, you know, go I here and do this. I haven't kill, noticed. Kill, kill the thing. <laughs> yeah. So. Back slash on rails. Yeah. Yeah. So and, uh, it, it's it's interesting because uh, the kind of the quest mechanic. Which, I mean, I guess in recent years, I'm only kind of started getting back to exploring a little bit to try to kind of find my roots a little is not not necessarily tired but very played out it it's hard to do things that feel original it always feels like you're just adding more dressing it's a meme so it's all a meme so so investigations and intrigue and espionage always have more fascination for me and the more you kind of set it up from the outset, you know, like this is the design of the game. These are elements that are already in play. Things are already in motion before things even get started. The more fun you can have with it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I agree. When I when I started this, when I started this game, I, I was very clear with the, 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 the players who were involved. I was like, this game is, you know, we're going to use fifth ed, but this is a kind of a um, investigative heavy kind of touching on some elements of horror uh, game that is going to kind of mess with your sense of like morality and put you in the gray zone of things. And nice. uh, so that's kind of, that's kind of the way it's been operating. Right. So like they've had to do some morally ambiguous things for theoretically the greater good uh, unbeknownst to them. It's all kind of for this, uh, for this uh, uh, larger evil that is invariably going to come down. So, you know, what? One thing I find interesting about um, like the the War of the Burning Sky setup uh, is there's an you can strip out the core conflict of good versus evil and have the campaign work perfectly. Uh, in fact, the first time I ran this game, I did it. I had stripped the alignment system out of D and D at the time as an experiment, um, which I've done off and on with different campaigns over the years. It's just sometimes you just you want a different flavor, and uh, now there is kind of a good eel component because the the kind of the the evil villain is also you know running a nation that's largely populated by orcs who have a more violent kind of bent, and yeah, it is what it is. But the core of it is very much sort of um, political, and it's less of a quest-oriented game. There are some more mission-oriented stuff, which is okay. 
It's a, it's a thing that I usually, in a lot of campaigns I write, I tend to s- stray away from more specific mission-oriented because it feels a little too contrived for me. But it's always fun and it makes it easy to get into. You know, it, it, it's always a, an easy, it gives, gives you kind of an easy in to whatever it is you're working on. Oh, here's a thing that needs to be accomplished that uh, you guys are uniquely suited to do. Um, are you interested in going and doing it? And if you aren't, the campaign still works. It's not like it's not particularly on rails. But there is a, a side movie with another group of people doing all the things you didn't bother <laughs> with, and actually doing a good job. <laughs> that was a little more zeitgeist, actually. That that was a, the the next campaign that Ryan did, wrote was very much that. more. You know, PCs. Get, you, you, there was always sections in the adventure that were like, you know, if the player characters decide to sa- side with the bad guys, this is what you can do. It's like, hmm. Wow. Technically, there's that stuff in this one, too. But, you know, it's just because it's there's no no requirement that you follow, you know, a story that's laid out in any specific order or fashion. However, it can be very rewarding to do so since a lot of the adventure material is constructed to take advantage of it, which can make it fun. But that's all on you guys. But I do right. like the game. I, I do like the campaigns that are more... Um, uh, like I said, more political, uh, more interesting, have more dynamics to them. Um, and it's, you know, a pretty rich world. I feel like there's a lot of room to kind of engage with it and find the stakes for your own character on their own grounds. About the only thing that the it kind of assumes from the outset is that at the very beginning, the characters are meeting for a specific shared kind of nebulous goal, which in this case is because there's bad guys that are invading your city and they're not being nice about it. How dare them? Must protect the well, children. There's there's bad guys for you, you know. One of the things I think is interesting here is that the, um, the bad guys have kind of an inquisition going, so they are uh, literally hunting down yeah i know <laughs> i see you singing and dancing already right. they're, they're, they're hunting hunting down spell casters that they don't approve of Uh-oh. and yeah <laughs> since any typical group typically has a few <laughs> it's another impetus not sight with those side with those guys mm. anyway so well uh no i was i was kind of Thinking about the the faction thing, the the contacts and connections, and trying to think of ways that I could use it for upcoming, you know, in, in the in that that particular campaign, for example, the resistance is a kind of an organized group and it has a lot of potential for um, providing you know material that can enhance the game as you go. But there's other other power groups in play as well, certainly. And you know, they don't always have to be connections. Don't always have to have to do with people that are specifically involved in the the you know the the shakings of the pillars of the world. You know, they don't have to be involved in all the big things. Sometimes it can just be that merchant group that you know you owe a favor to because they did something for you, and it turns out when they want you to do this thing, it's got nothing to do with anything else you got going on. But if you don't do it, it's going to cause trouble. You know, and maybe trouble's okay. Just kind of depends on who you are. It's actually one of my favorite things to do um, or use a faction that uh, or use a uh, contact that, uh, you know, ostensibly seems like it's just going to be this mild thing that doesn't have a whole lot of impact on the game or the storyline. And then you find out much, much later that, oh, actually, it did have a huge impact on the storyline and you were just completely ignorant to it at the time because 
you didn't see how things play out. But that's that's just me. That's just my thing. So no, that's awesome. Uh, yeah, those those groups that you don't know are relevant. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. It's like yeah. you gotta be kidding me, man. Yep, good stuff. Well, uh, I I don't necessarily you know I have a lot of specific experiences to share there other than what I talked about a little bit. But um, if you've had any similar experiences, I'd love to hear about it. Uh, feel free to drop us a line, feedback at prismaticsunami.com. That's feedback at prismaticsunami.com. Well, uh, Sean, I, I know everybody's got things to get on to with their day here, and I really appreciate you spending some time with us this afternoon. And uh, particularly, like I said, I, I definitely wanted to get you on to talk a little about TsunamiCon because, you know, we work hard every year to make this uh, a big event, and I'm super excited about it. And I know you I, are, I am, too. too. I am, I'm, I'm really, really looking forward to it. It's uh, I'm looking forward to to getting back to in person and kind of being back, uh, being back there with people and, and stuff like that. I'm, I'm working really hard. Eli and I are both working really hard to, uh, to uh, come up with new and uh, interesting and fun things to kind of uh, do with folks while we're there, uh, you know, kind of nice. bring some creative stuff to the, to the works and things like that. So, yeah, I, 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 I'm, I'm go ahead, sorry. No, 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 no. I was, I was just going to tag on it. And, and I know, I know um, Eli said, we're going to go ahead and do drunkards and dragons this year too. So. That'd be fun. Well, thank you for being on the show. Appreciate it, man. And we'll uh, we'll talk to you again here before the convention comes around. We got some uh, more solid deets Absolutely. to discuss. Absolutely. Sounds good, guys. I, yeah, I so. appreciate it. All right, guys. Well, uh, thank you very much for joining us for episode number. I didn't even look up the number. I have no idea. It's 271 or something of uh, like Metagamers Anonymous. <laughs> My name is Eric. I'm Rich. I'm Vanessa. And we have Sean, hopefully. <laughs> he can't. He can't hear us. Just clip yeah. the part from the beginning and then play it back at the end again. <laughs> Ha, ha, ha.